Hello there. My name is Gareth Long and I'm the Communications Coordinator for the Faculty of Arts, Humanities and Social Sciences at ARU. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing some of our students, alumni and academic and technical staff to explore their experiences of education, their career paths and their advice for anyone hoping to work in the same field. In this episode, I talk with Megan Hurdson, Senior Campaign Manager at AIU and a graduate of our BA Writing and Film and MA Creative Writing courses. We talk about how being a student at AIU helped her get used to sharing her writing with others, how she transferred her skills to a marketing environment, and how her role allows her to tell the stories of other AIU students. So with no further ado, let's get on with the podcast. Hi, Megan. Hi, Gareth. Hi, how are you doing? I'm really good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. If you want to start off just by telling us a bit about who you are, what you've been doing since you graduated, and um, which course it was that you studied at AIU as well. Sure, okay. Yeah, so I'm I'm Megan. Um, I studied film studies with writing as my undergraduate degree, and I did go on to do my master's in creative writing at AIU as well. I've been in marketing ever since graduating pretty much and just all about using my words to have an impact really. And you're finding that the work that you're in now allows you to do that? Absolutely yeah I feel like having an opportunity to be creative on a daily basis was really important to me it was where I needed my my work to go you know it would be lovely to make a full-time living wage off of your writing but it's not always going to be possible there will be people out there that achieve that but my my writing was always more about just getting the words out there and not necessarily making lots and lots of money so to have a full-time job that fills that desire to to have an impact with words as well is is awesome are you still writing yeah yeah I do sometimes just for myself sometimes for like a purpose or for a friend or for family Um, and other times because you know I want to shout from the rooftops about something it generally speaking I'm sure we'll touch more on it but my my style was always short um short fiction poetry flash fiction it's something that I might find myself sitting on the train overhearing a conversation and thinking oh this is a story (laughs) and I'll write it down and it might not ever go anywhere or it might be something I work on for months because I think it's going somewhere so yeah I totally still write I don't think you ever get out of that sort of practice once you've got it in your head and have you um sent things off to competitions and things like that on the course as well as so mostly on the course because it was just so helpful having the people around you who not only told you you know this is coming up this would be good for you or even to the whole class you know guys you should have a look at this competition um it it made it super helpful and easy to know what opportunities were out there obviously when you're a student the biggest thing is having the funds to sometimes put forward with your submission because sometimes they do cost. So I'd often try and find the free ones to do when I was a student. Um, But yeah, I still enter things. I haven't won loads and loads and loads of things, but it's still nice every now and then, even if you just get on someone's website or you get on um, a little, I've been on a thing called Casket of Fictional Delights. It's only a little website, but it's lovely. (laughs) And it means so much just every time someone's read your words and thought, that's good. Yeah, I want to share that. Which... um school did you go to before coming to AIU? So I'm originally from Kent and I went to uh, Highworth School 
um, which is in Ashford, Kent. I did my GCSEs, A-levels, everything there. It was an all-girls school, so, you know, massive shock going to a university where there were boys. <laughs> it was a shock. Um, and, yeah, huge, huge transition from a very suburban, quiet life to suddenly being a student in a big city with lots of things to do lots of places to see and all these different people who have all these different ideas it was amazing how did that affect you do you think going to an all-girls school (laughs) so it was a grammar school as well so the pressure at a grammar school is is something else um I'm I'm not putting myself down, but I'm quite mediocre. I was very much sitting in the middle. I would get B's and C's. And at a grammar school, a C was like an F. It was terrible. It was, oh, no. (laughs) Um, So being average was quite hard. And so that was a a battle time to have a bit more confidence. So it meant when I got to AIU, I was actually very shy. I was very reserved. I certainly didn't know how to be around people of the other sex. It was really difficult. And so I think the confidence that came over the three years of my undergraduate was probably the most important thing that could happen, really, because I realised that, first of all, mediocre is not is not a thing. We've all got our own special elements about us that we can bring to something. We all have something that we we are good at. And also another hang up from grammar schools is not always the most arty places and creative places. And this isn't to say that my school was bad. It was a lovely school and there was never any sort of hard feeling. It was always a lovely place to be, but it was just, it was not the right environment for me to really, really prosper. So being at ARU and on a writing course, as you can imagine, the biggest element is often critiquing others' work. So for starters, I would have the shock of sitting down in one of my first few classes and, okay, we're going to read out our work now. And me thinking, oh my gosh, how do I read out in front of, it's probably like 12 people, but it was like, oh my God, I've got to read out loud. I was a student that couldn't put my hand up, let alone read for three minutes (laughs) an element of my story. It's just a huge shock. So, you know, year one, reading out the story that I had written was really hard it was something that I would probably be stressed about before I'd have anxiety about I'd probably be shaking the whole time I was doing it and then by the end I was that one that put my hand straight up yep I want to be critiqued I want everything give me all the feedback I want everybody to give me something because I had realized the value in that and it wasn't that people were listening to how I was performing and reading it out it wasn't about how nervous I was or how shaky I was it was about there was value to this there was a reason we were doing it and it was really really helpful that was the best thing you could get all the feedback in the world and it would keep growing and growing it was amazing so what helped you with that transition to get used to speaking out and speaking your own writing as well in a, in a way it's practice but also like I was saying about getting the value back, I think once I, you know, I went back to my my student accommodation and I sat down with that feedback and I looked at my notes and I started implementing it into my writing. And then I would realise, oh, that was a really good idea or that's really helped tie that all together. And sometimes someone says something and you think, yeah, I'm not going to take that on. You don't have to take it on. That's the point. But going home and seeing your story evolve or get better or become stronger or more impactful thanks to what other people were saying that return on 
the nerves and the anxiety, it was all suddenly worth it because I was developing. So it was definitely a bit of practice, a bit of, you know, just being brave and putting my head down and just doing it. And sometimes the lecturers don't necessarily, not in a harsh way, but they don't give you the chance. They're just like, nope, we're going to do this today. You're all going to do it. We're all going to get through it together. We're all a team here and you benefit from it. So you went to the grammar school in Kent all the way up to university, was that? Yeah, so yeah, I year seven right way through to my A-levels um, and then didn't have a gap year or anything, went straight on to university. Um, so it was quite quite the jump. I chose AIU because of the, it was far enough from home that I felt like I was going away and doing my own thing and being independent but also close enough that I was able to go home if I needed it or if I felt a bit homesick, I could just get on a train. And then the other element of ARU was it was the course, it was the modules and it was the things that I could see that, okay, there's a a module on, I don't know if they're still there, but there was a module on radio, a module on journalism. And because of all those different modules, I knew that no matter where my life was going to take me, I could could get some of these modules and they'd really help because that was the... The, the hardest thing of being an 18 year old and picking your degree is not being 100% sure where you want to go. And so I felt like I knew I was, I loved writing. I knew that I was quite good at writing and I knew that I wanted to, and the film element as well. I had done film studies at A level. So I knew that was something I was really good at and I really enjoyed. So I was looking at what I was good at when I chose a degree essentially. And then knowing all those different module options were there, I thought, okay, well, if I do the journalism module and I love it, then I can pursue that route. If I do the radio module and I love it, I can pursue that route. So within my first year, I just tried everything. And then by the time I was in my third year, I knew that short fiction, flash fiction and poetry were where I really wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And I knew that within my sort of journey as a student, what I was learning with writing and how I was making my words, you know, be quite impactful, how to be like a a concise writer that was getting to the point, how to be, you know, just grammatically correct as well is important. And there was a huge sub module availability on the language and linguistics side of things, um, which was so awesome. (laughs) I loved all of that. We did um, so many modules about how different I forget them all now, but there were different words that could do different things. You just don't know how much there is to the English language, how complex it is um, and how much of it is in the writing you're reading. And then you start reading a story and you think, gosh, there's a lot going on here that you just don't realise unless you've studied it in depth. So what made you decide to go on to the MA? To be totally honest, it was a person I had not considered a master's at all. It was probably about April, May time. So I was finishing up my dissertation at the time. I don't know if you still can do a module on sort of what you want to do it on. Um, And we were doing a poetry module and there were only a few of us because not everybody wanted to do the poetry side of things. And I was finishing up my final assignment with my poetry lecturer, who was Karen Freeborn. And we were talking about my poems she said you are a poet which just meant the world to me to have someone say you are a poet just felt amazing it wasn't just that I'm writing poetry it's that she thought I was a poet and to come from someone like her who was an amazing poet herself and she was so fun and she was full of so many good ideas to have that said to me was just 
oh, it was so, so special. I'll never forget that conversation. And then she mentioned that there was a master's in creative writing and that they do another poetry module on that and that I would probably really benefit from it if I wanted to do it. And she gave me some information. She also told me about the scholarship, which I didn't realise at the time. As an alumni, I would get money off. And so I thought, okay, this is something I could probably do. I could do it part time. I could pay my own way. I wouldn't have to get another loan. And it's going to be cheaper here than anywhere else. So I can give it a go. If I'm going to do it, I might as well do it here. And I knew the lecturers. So I knew I would have Karen there to help me. I knew that our writing work groups that we'd set up in the pub would carry on going and we'd have new people to join us. So my little world could continue, which was really, really exciting. Um, so it's, it's really nice to be able to look back and say that Karen had that impact on me. The fact that she sadly passed away has just, you know, it's, she's just stayed with me in my heart and she always will and she'll be in my writing. She's a really special person. I never realised that she wrote poetry as well. I, I, I remember she was a novelist. Yeah, yeah, and she was a fantastic uh, poet. If you got her on an open mic night, um, she was awesome. She had so much... Um, character and she's quite a sassy poet like quite a lot of attitude in everything she did and obviously just you know you know Karen's got that attitude I just loved it um and she was the one that got me into doing open mic nights I would never ever ever have stood in front of an audience and read a poem because poem has that hang up when you're at school in particular poetry is just not cool it's just it's just not a cool thing to be into so <laughs> to go to a university and suddenly have these people around you where poetry is cool and mm. poetry is important suddenly felt like a world away from what I had when I was doing my A-levels and when the poetry anthologies came out people would like roll their eyes suddenly there were all these really cool people with all these amazing poems and standing up and getting really vocal is a really cool atmosphere to be part of where everyone's cheering each other on and sometimes the poems are hard for people as well and they would read something really really important to them and that supportive group again would be there whether it's just a massive round of applause or whether it's you know a hug at the end whatever they need that group were there and ARU was brilliant for the open mic nights absolutely brilliant and I carry I would carry on doing them <laughs> until the day I die quite happily. The idea that poetry isn't cool I mean at school, definitely. Yeah, A-level as well, I, I imagine. We tended to look down on poetry <laughs> compared to... I remember studying Emily Dickinson, I think, and that that was when I first realised that actually this is really in tune with the kind of things you go through as a teenager, you know, what she wrote about. And before that, I remember Second World War poets and things like that and the importance of poetry. But yeah. do you think that a lot of the stigma poetry has at school is more to do with the kind of poems we were taught back then and is because there are some really cool poets out there you know yeah. and you don't come into contact with them <laughs> at school. No, that so. is true that's very true um yeah to an extent definitely because there is some very old-fashioned poetry um which it has its place and it is important but to spark young minds and get them interested in it maybe not like you said there's lots of other poets that are out there um I remember being in sixth form and and reading Caroline Duffy and being like oh, yeah this is cool for the rest of my class thinking yeah but that was quite progressive for a school really to be looking at Caroline Duffy um 
yeah poetry has got to I hope keep being in schools but I hope that they bring it on a bit and show maybe a bit of the performance side of poetry because Mm. that that gives them it's sort of a bit more grounding in the 21st Mm. century I think this is not just on the page is there anything you can think of any one thing that has inspired you to get involved with writing in the first place yes Yes. I mean, studying A-level English literature did help a massive amount, even though I was probably the odd one out. I did love it when, you know, we were reading The Bloody Chamber. I thought this is fantastic. There is like, that. What's that? Oh, Angela Carter's Bloody Chamber. It's a group of short stories. Um, they're all like really twisted fairy tales. They're um, brilliant. And they're quite overt. They're quite um, sexual at times, but very feminist. And I just thought, wow, this is this is literature like that can make a difference this is impactful and just opening my eyes but I suppose if we go way 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 back um when I was probably in about year five in primary school um we had a visiting author come to do a little day with us he did an assembly and then we had a writing competition the author was Anthony Lishak so he's a child's author and we did this writing competition and I, I don't even remember what the story was about. I'm pretty sure it was about a dragon. <laughs> and I don't remember anything else. A dragon who, I don't know, lost his fire and found it again. And then I won this this story competition and Anthony picked the winner. So I was just over the moon that a real writer read my little story and liked it. So he had to stand up at the end of the day and I was presented with a certificate and I got a copy of his book, which he signed for me right there and then. And honestly, I've still got it to this day. It's my prized possession, comes everywhere with me. Even when I went to my university accommodation, I had a little box of special things and that book was in there. And it just it just meant so much to me that a writer had read it and and felt like I know it's only, you know, a rubbish story about dragons, but it just it meant a lot. And then that whole day was very eye-opening because his story um is called Coming Coming Round. And it was for children, but it was quite a dark story, really. It was about a young boy who's hit by a car and goes into a coma um, and then can hear everything going on around him, but can't speak and he can't quite remember what's happened to him. So this whole story was very eye-opening for me as a child. You know, I'd grown up with Sheltie the Shetland stories (laughs) and stories about Biff, Chip and Kipper and maybe some Secret Seven thrown in, but... It was very, you know, just normal children's stuff. So to have this story that has a twist in it and it has a different perspective, a perspective of someone who's asleep in a coma that's not conscious properly, it was very eye-opening that, again, the stories, you know, can have an impact and they have a purpose. It's not just about seven children unravelling a mystery or a Shetland pony who's up to no good. It was Mm. a real story that... Yeah, I read. I probably read that story a thousand times in my childhood, and it never got boring. The kind of story that deals with things that adults don't necessarily tell you about, maybe, and that you start to form questions about, and then suddenly you've got somebody speaking to you about them yeah. through the pages. Yeah, and of the speaking book, to you you know. like another grown-up as well, not yeah. just like you're in year five, but you know these are real things, and this could maybe really happen. And here's here's a perspective you've not considered. It was awesome really I'm really grateful that my primary school did that. Are there any other authors that you think of as major inspirations for you? Um, I suppose because when you're in your formative years you obviously are building a picture of who you like and what you like but 
because of my A-levels, I got really into Angela Carter and I got really into um, Bram Stoker with Dracula. It was just another world again. It was probably, I, I obviously like form. It's been a massive part of everything I've done as a writer. I've experimented with the form. So with with Dracula all being in those letters and diary entries, that was really interesting for me. Um, Angela Carter, obviously all very short stories. And then I didn't even discover flash fiction till I was at university. Um, and then, yeah, it, the shorter, the more I got into it. And then there's that shortest story, isn't there? The baby shoes. Yeah, the it, Raymond Chandler. Yeah, that and, one. Um, it was Karen Freeborn who I remember read that one to us as well in oh, one of our yeah. classes. Yeah. yeah, that stuck with me for life. So what do you think is the most valuable thing you took away from your education? I think we touched on it a little bit earlier. It, it would be confidence. Um, obviously, confidence with my writing and confidence to put myself across, but also confidence to put my, myself out there to do something like this and not have a panic attack about it. It was like a really big deal for me. I, I cannot stress enough how every parent's evening of my childhood was, it would be good if she just put her hand up. And that was like the feedback my whole life was just put your hand up or just contribute. And it was not through lack of trying. I sometimes sat there in my head and thought, I know the answer. I know the answer. I know the answer, but I can't put my hand up. I can't do it. So to come to a university where I felt confident, I felt supported, and I felt like I can put my hand up. And if I am wrong, it doesn't matter. Or I can read out my story. And if the whole class says, oh, it needs a lot of work, <laughs> then that's fine. Give me the feedback and we'll work on it. That was a huge, huge thing for me. Um, in my first year, I won a place in an anthology called, it was the Gentleman's Press Anthology. Um, and the winners of that anthology got to go and read their story uh, in the library at the Birmingham Fringe Festival. I'd only been at university at that point, maybe, I think it was around January time that it happened, so a few months. And suddenly I found myself on a train going to Birmingham <laughs> and my parents turning up and seeing them in the library and thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to read this out to people. And being very grateful suddenly that it was a short fiction competition. <laughs> and and having that opportunity from there, I think it just sort of snowballed, really. I suddenly realised that I could do it and that actually it was quite a good feeling that came after talking and reading. I felt quite empowered to do it. I felt like I was very supported. I was very lucky that people around me would say you did a great job even if I was probably really nervous and shy so yeah I, I would say confidence I really would and it sounds like you're somebody who's now who's prepared to jump in the deep end and just yeah, get involved with things so. without even thinking about it so. yeah like I do I still find things you know I, I do get nervous I'm not I haven't yeah. lost that um and I'm still I would definitely call myself an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. I'm I'm the quieter ones in groups. But I think I've just realised that if you, yeah, if you've got flaws, that's okay. <laughs> and if you say something that's not quite as perfect as you wanted it to sound or you accidentally use one word and there's a better word out there, no one's going to judge you. It's fine. Um, so my overthinking teenager brain has probably finally gone a bit quieter, which is nice. <laughs> Did you find that most of the other 
people on your course were as introverted once you got to know them as well. And writers are often thought of as being introverts and, and expressing themselves through words rather than uh, on the page rather than through vocalising, I guess. I think so, yeah. Like 90% of the class were on the same page as me, even if they weren't as introverted as me. They were maybe still as anxious about things as I was or they maybe found things other things harder that that I didn't find so hard um but as a group of people we were totally different and yet all the same it was a really weird but a really gelled group um and by the end you know because there wasn't a huge amount of us because obviously writing and film studies has a group of you then there's writing with English literature or I guess now writing on its own and then there were the film studies with media studies group so you ended up mixing with a huge different group of people but you suddenly started to realize the people that were your people your ones that you did the exact same course as that you followed throughout that journey so maybe you wouldn't see them for a module here or there because they chose a different one but then when you met back up again it was like seeing an old friend from from years gone by it was a lovely feeling and our graduation was really special so did you have much chance to work with other students from other courses when you were doing your course yeah so the film side of things if you wanted to do the more creative production side of things which I did because I really I loved the script writing elements of things I loved the um film journalism side of things so if I did say the script writing course I could meet with people from all the different film areas and courses um, that would all come together for that particular module so I never knew for sure on the first day of a module who I would be with it wasn't like one class goes everywhere together and we just moved as a group which I I guess can sound a bit intimidating at first because you think oh I'm not going to know anybody but it really worked out great because like you say, you collaborate with different people more. You have to get a bit of confidence to to open yourself up to new opportunities. But you also, it's like networking really, because now my group of alums from that course, it's much wider. And I've got people that went off into the film industry that I know. And I've got people that went off into publishing that I know. And I've got people that maybe went into something entirely different or research or became down that academic route so there's there's lots of different routes that you can go and the networking part is quite important really which parts of the course do you think were most important for your career development for my career in marketing obviously the creativity i think having a background in anything creative is going to give you the sort of thought processes that help you innovate and help you come up with new ideas and help you come up with problem solving solutions it's it's all quite an important part being creative and having a mind that can think outside the box is really really important um in a really specific way i would say if we go back to like the critiquing that i was talking about earlier the ability to embrace criticism and not take it terribly is a really, really important part of any professional development. So to have it as part of your course from day one, where you have to learn that sometimes people aren't going to give you, you know, sunshine and rainbows. They might give you some feedback that you've got to actually take on board or that might help you. And to see the value of it is really, really helpful. And it goes the other way as well, because in my day to day now, I have to provide feedback. I have to provide it to people who have written copy for me. I might have to say, here's some feedback on how we can improve that. 
or it might be you know I've, I've collaborated with the design team to create a poster and I need to feed back to them how maybe I would like some changes to be able to provide feedback that's going to help you get the job done or help you get what you envision but also to do it in a palatable way that's something that can be quite hard to learn um so if you've been doing it since your degree it really really helps you later in life especially in a professional environment it's really really important are you still able to get that kind of feedback on your own writing now or now that you've left the course it's it's been harder since the pandemic unfortunately mm. um but there there was up until pandemic life um still lots of writing groups that I was a part of in groups on Facebook where they would go to the pub and meet take your stories with you have a little read pass things around chat about what you've been up to as well so it was like a social element but also like getting your writing critiqued was really helpful there's nothing better than having a few sets of eyes that don't know you don't want to hurt your feelings because if if I sent it to my sister or my best friend or my partner, they'd be like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> and that doesn't help you when you're a writer and you're trying to improve. So, yeah, that was really helpful. But pandemic has put a hold to a lot of things. And because the course was so varied in a lovely way, people came from all walks of life. So we've got some people who are maybe a bit older and are still coming out of that pandemic is a bit more scary for them. And then there were some people that, decided with the pandemic you know what I'm moving right the way back home to be closer to family so they're no longer near Cambridge um so the pandemic did it was a bit of a disruptor to that lifestyle but hopefully it's something that can carry on and it's something that really could continue in a digital sense Mm. and just need to get everybody back up and doing it again so you've obviously stuck around Cambridge since finishing the course since you're working with ARU um, yes. <laughs> what was your favourite thing about studying here and, and did you discover anything about the place that you didn't know when you were in Kent yeah so I didn't know much about Cambridge what drew me to Cambridge was very much the campus was lovely I liked everything I saw and then you know you strolled out the front door of the university and there was a nice big open green and to someone who's grown up in sort of rural Kent it was important to me that I could have a getaway. There's so many rivers and things and and lovely places to stroll along, as well as all the more like built up areas and the shopping and everything. So that was important to me. And I knew that before I came, but I don't think I realised how much there would be to do in Cambridge. Um, From like an academic perspective, you know, there's all the libraries and all the the museums and things you could go to like that. And loads of talks are always going on because it's a student city full of people trying to learn and absorb everything they can. So there's there's loads of academic things going on. But also, if you've got the time, you could hop on a train from Cambridge for a few pounds and be in Ely or in Bury St Edmunds if you just needed to switch off without a car you didn't need a car to get around because you could walk everywhere in Cambridge pretty much Uh, if you're not you can bike it absolutely and then the other thing I think really strangely I don't know if you agree but Cambridge seems to have like a microclimate of its own so it was always warm it was always sunny it's always I would text my family and be like oh how's your weather today we're 25 degrees and blazing sun and they'd be like it's raining yeah that does seem to happen quite often yeah. although I've lived here a long time <laughs> so I've known it, it to be 
very different as well at times. But. The last time we had a heat wave, actually, it was Cambridge that got the record um, for the heat. So we're obviously a warm point yeah. of the country, I think. Maybe somebody's just put a huge sheet of glass above the city or something. Sometimes <laughs> it does feel like that. <laughs> so was it easy for you to get back to Kent when you needed to? Because um, you got London, obviously, in the way. Yes. Yeah, so I suppose it wasn't the cheapest journey because you had to go through London, which always pops a bit of money on. But um, yeah, I I always used to train. I had a student rail card and it was straight into King's Cross, then walked over from King's Cross to St Pancras and that was the nice high speed straight back to Ashford. So a nice and easy journey home, which did help me because as an 18 year old fresh out of school, sometimes you do just need to, to go home, reconnect with your family a little bit. I obviously very family's very important to me um I've always been a home bird I don't want to leave them too far away although I never did go back <laughs> everyone holds that against me like, you went to university you went to Cambridge and you never went never went home again <laughs> are you planning to stay on in Cambridge do you think for the I think future? so yeah because of my master's I'm doing it part-time my career took off while I was studying my master's which mm-hmm was really quite fortunate um especially as I decided I'd pay my own money <laughs> so while I was earning I was also studying in the evenings and the, the part-time masters for creative writing was really really helpful it was two hours in the evening a week so I literally could work five days a week and then go in for my two even uh, two hour evening session when I needed to so because that took off I kind of ended up working in Cambridge and I've worked in Cambridge ever since so were you working at AIU at that point in time or no. you somewhere else so my very, very first job in marketing was as a copywriter. Um, so it was purely based on building copy for a website, copy for blogs. Um, the blog side of it I preferred because obviously it had that creative element, whereas sometimes writing copy for websites can be, especially if this was an, an agency, so they did lots of people's websites, lots of people's blogs. So sometimes I'd be writing about handbags, which was great. And then the next minute I'd be writing about water coolers. And I think, oh my goodness, really? We've got a client about water coolers, really? <laughs> yeah, so there were some there were some really difficult clients. Um, and then because of those clients, I ended up doing quite a lot about um, really weird air conditioning, um, which then took me to my next job in marketing, which was for um, a mechanical engineering construction firm. So they saw that I had this experience with with HVAC and with air conditioning and weird and they were oh great this is excellent you'd be perfect for for all of our marketing needs so I got a job with this construction agency um that was that was good but I just knew at this point okay I if I'm going to do marketing I like what marketing involves which you know lots of writing lots of creating lots of imagery lots of you know making things look nice and sound good and making an impact and using your words and emails that are going to get a response all of that was really cool and I loved all the you know checking a heat map of an email and saying oh that's where everybody clicks so something I've written there is exactly what resonated with those people working out who my audience is was really really interesting but the industries I was in was just it wasn't doing it for me I, co- I couldn't find my place um so having done an agency with lots of different places, d- done construction, I thought, let's try something else. I applied for ARU just off a whim, didn't necessarily know if I would get it. Um, it seemed like the right role for me because it was back in the faculty that I had studied as a part of. So I thought if I'm going to be able to 
to know anything about this university this is the faculty I'm going to know about um and then yeah I've got the job and I'm still there nearly four years now um and I've obviously progressed in that time which is really lovely um so now into my senior campaign role which is really exciting um and I do feel like higher education is ticking those boxes for me that the others weren't which is actually having kind of like a transformative effect on people's lives it's not just about here's a new system that we're installing or here's a lovely building that we're trying to make sound really exciting it's changing people's lives and talking to young people all the time and and talking to students such a diverse community of students they're not all just gen z they're from all different walks of life some people have got to 40 and thought i need to change what i'm doing i love that about aru i love that you never know who your target audience really is and it's finding what's going to resonate with them best and then also telling their stories that's that's the best part of my job is when i meet a student ambassador or i meet a student telling their story whether it's through video or through blogs or through an email finding a way to tell their story is just amazing and then seeing them put it on their little linkedin profile just is so lovely because you think oh you're starting your journey and that's where i started mine it's really special and have you been able to take the skills in terms of um finding your audience or identifying your audience back to your own writing i've never thought of it like that to be honest really? Gareth. but it's a really good question because i, I think subconsciously it absolutely has because my mind has evolved from just writing for not for the sake of it but and not without purpose but it is a little bit without purpose if you don't know who you're doing it for so yeah my brain has become far more analytical and a lot more numbers are involved now and i'm doing a lot of like persona research and working out who our audiences are where they come from how old they are what social media platforms they use so i i reckon it has but now i need to be conscious of it and see how because so interesting. Mm. It's something I think about a lot. Obviously, uh, uh, we were both writing before we started doing the marketing. And oh, I've been quite um, reticent in terms of um, marketing my own writing, you know, and, and yeah. trying to see, because like you, I'm an introvert and I don't like to shout about anything I do. Social media scares me or it scared, <laughs> scared me back then more than it does now. But you do, you, when you get into marketing and especially when you're doing it in a, in a role like we have where you really notice the value for other people of providing them with the product or the service or the mm. course that they're looking for then you can, you can start to apply those techniques to pushing your own work out more can't you, you know, and, and figuring out who is this that's likely to want to read what i'm writing here I don't I never want to get to the position I think where I'm th thinking right there's this audience here let's write something for them but it, it's yeah. more like looking at your work and thinking well who is the natural audience for yeah. this you know, who, who is it that would appreciate this and I think working in marketing does help you do that you know naturally yeah. what piece of advice do you think you would give to your younger self looking back to how you were in grammar school I think not to be afraid of flaws in general because I, as I sort of touched on that grammar school mentality a flaw to me back then was a monumental failure it was my personality letting me down it was the way I had been brought up letting me down it was awful catastrophic it was the end of the world and is that just how you felt or is that how other people were making you feel 
Yeah. I, oh, <laughs> this is getting quite deep. <laughs> I, I think it was, it was definitely, I was a product of, of the environment I was in. Um, it was definitely, you know, if I got a C in an exam, I was encouraged to retake the exam. It wasn't just, okay, don't worry, like, that's okay. Or actually, C's great. <laughs> My partner came away from his GCSEs with one C, and that was that was all he got. So for me to come away with, I think I had five A's, a B, and two C's, and that was... So it was really, really hard environment. So definitely, I wish I could say to my younger self that you can always work on things. It's not the end of the world. There's always room for improvement, and that's with everybody. But also not to be afraid to ask for advice, because I think that was something as an introvert is quite hard to do. It was quite hard to put my hand up and say, I, I really am not following this, or to go home even to my parents and say, I, I need some help with this. That was to me, as an individual, I felt like that was admitting I was, you know, not good enough. Um and that's come with being a student, but also being an employee at ARU. I feel like I've had a very supportive network around me for quite a long time now. And that has really helped me grow. As a student, you know, you were exchanging ideas all the time. You were offering things out there that sometimes were going to be received with feedback. And you thought, oh, that was a bit bruising, but OK, I'll take it on board. Um, and, you know, now as an employee and feel very supported. Um, Throughout the pandemic, we had counselling made completely free to us, which I absolutely used because I found it, my anxiety skyrocketed during the pandemic. I felt like the littlest things would really take their toll on me. I felt like, you know, even at the moment, we're getting petrol crisis all over again. And if it had been me before the counselling, I wouldn't be sleeping at night thinking about how am I going to get petrol? It was little things like that, that the university have inadvertently helped me with um so I think that's why I'm so passionate about ARU because I just feel like they have supported me to grow and not to be so focused on any negative aspects of my life but just how I can grow and how I can improve and sometimes how I can live with those flaws it's not something that you have to change it's something that you can learn to live with as well and failure is an important part of any kind of growth you know in, in any career it sounds like in the environment you're in especially, but I think a lot of children go through this, whether it's from parents or teachers, the idea of failing is failing and it's to be looked down on, you know, rather than saying, well, where did this go wrong and how do you improve it? It's just, no, don't do it like that. Yeah, <laughs> a lot yeah. of the time, I think a lot of people, fail. but for a lot of the academics I've spoken to in this podcast, you know, that they will say, you know, it's the failures that you learn from and that's how you get better. You know, and then you move on to the next thing because life never stops moving on, you know. Yeah. Take yeah. the failures, learn from it, run with it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And I suppose academics sometimes, you know, they're looking at it like purely from, you know, writing essays or assignments. So they're looking at it from that form. But they're often in their own research goes, as well, I think. Oh, that's true. That is true. Yeah. And they don't realise sometimes, I don't think they realise how much their advice impacts the students that they're working with I, I think they hope it does but they don't necessarily know like three people off the top of my head obviously Karen being one of them um I had Colette Paul and Tiffany Angus all just completely shape who I am today and I don't know if they know that I feel like I should probably pop them a message after this and just say just so you know you're integral to who I am 
because it, it, they just are. I, d- I don't know any other profession that is so important to those young lives and they have no idea. Obviously, doctors are aware of their impact on health and well-being and counsellors are aware of it. Even teachers at that primary and secondary level know they're shaping like formative years. I don't know if lecturers are so aware of it. I hope they are. I think they know from the work probably they receive they can see the improvement you know yes true. Um, I guess there's that but I'm sure they don't mind being told now and then <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> I bet they don't so what what are you currently working on um both at work and outside of it at work at the moment is a very interesting time because we have um the start of clearing that's that period just before we start in September where a lot of students make a last minute decision that actually they are going to come to university so for marketing and recruitment purposes it's a really 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 busy time so it means that we do a lot of work to showcase students and their successes whether that's from the alumni point of view or current students and so my project at the moment is I've just spent the last two days interviewing students and we basically had 15 minute chats with loads of different students that had all been recommended from all over the university and we spoke to some amazing students and they will be turned into short films essentially but some of the some of their stories you just think these are amazing people and we work with them agencies that help us do some of this work and one of these people that we're working with at the moment last worked with us five years ago and he actually said to me today that there has been a huge shift in these people at ARU they're not just here to study they're here to make a change and make an impact and the fact that we were inundated with with different people to interview was just it just speaks of how ARU is at the moment and the people we have and how important they all are so that's a really nice job to have at the minute. Do you think that change in outlook is partly because of the pandemic and the time spent in isolation? I think it's it's certainly a little bit to do with that. In fact, one of the students we interviewed um, had changed her career during the pandemic because she felt like, OK, this is fine, but I'm not changing enough lives like this. So I'm going to go and do this degree to help do what I feel like I need to do. But I do think as a generation, if we're looking at like the Gen Z audience, they are looking ahead at a future, which is probably a lot scarier than a lot of futures that have come before them they've looked at you know everything going on at the moment in ukraine they've had years of now of being told that we're at the brink of a climate emergency they've had a pandemic now to be a young person and looking into that future and thinking is this what it's going to be like every couple of months essentially something else i think that they are going to have to do a lot of the fighting and the campaigning for change because the generations before them haven't so I think that these are people that will make a change they really are and they are more conscious of it than the generations before them which is amazing it's sad but it's brilliant that they are taking that on and we can only learn from them hopefully they'll be the people in the positions of power so they won't need to campaign as hard to get change made (laughs) they'll be able to make it yeah definitely great well thank you for joining me Megan it's been a really interesting chat Yeah, it's been brilliant. Thank you for chatting. Good luck with your future projects. Yeah, thank you very much, Gareth.